Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you? Uh, bonjour. Uh, I wish I could say, I wish I could carry on in French. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? You started so well, like really confident at bonjour, and then that was it's, it. <laughs> I do this a lot. I, do, I could like... I, I, I go to say something in a different language before realising I don't speak that language. Yeah, yeah. You're like and then boy. this is why I'm on holiday a lot and I have like, I went on holiday with, uh, to Spain with some friends once and one of my friends speaks Spanish extremely well. So we went to a restaurant and bars and stuff. He was conversing really well and I would just not even, like if I was saying something in Spanish, I wouldn't drop my accent. So it would just be a <laughs> brummy guy talking like, si, muchas gracias. It's just very just mundane. I don't know. I'm really bad. I'm a proper Brit abroad. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of uh, uh, Russell Kane, one of his sketches, where he talks about uh, particularly English people saying jalapenos who refuse to say it as it ought to be, and they say jalapenos. <laughs> jalapenos. Jalapenos. Um, I once went on a skiing <laughs> holiday uh, uh, to, to uh, the Alps in France uh, on the French Italy border sounds all very posh and I was very mm. much out of my depth because I couldn't hardly afford anything here but everyone else could anyway um yeah whilst there uh, I I at the time could say uh, like hello thank you how are you that kind of generic stuff like most British people could do but one of the people we were with could speak rudimentary French she'd lived in Paris for a little while so could kind of get on but wasn't overly confident with her French uh and right. so i remember one particular night we're in a, a restaurant and we literally just looked at her and was like can you please <laughs> tell the man i want this and she's like looking at us going oh fuck, i don't know that word and then was really trying her best <laughs> restaurants um, can be difficult i learned how to say uh I learned how to order steaks in Spanish. I, I know as a vegan, shocking, but well, once upon a time I ate steaks. So, <laughs> how dare you. Uh, Muy HO is well done. I don't know why you'd want your steak well done. If you're going to kill an animal and eat it, just fucking please eat it properly. Don't overcook it to the point where it has no taste. That's just an insult medium to the cow. Med- uh, medium is just regular. Oh, okay. And uh, they, they also do blue in Spain, which is very oh, much yeah. just a kind of like your cow, it's still alive on your plate. You slap it on one side and you slap it on the other. You just singe the yeah. skin and then you, you put it yeah, on you the plate. Yeah, just sear it a little bit and that's it. Mm, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, massive tangent before we've even started. First of all, I'd like to say congratulations to us. Uh, if I had a party popper, I would pop it right now. Uh, guys, we've list, uh, we've reached 10,000 listens, uh, which I am absolutely fucking just blown away by that means that uh, a lot uh, that's what people do that's our show that's what people do has been listened to 10,000 times and that is from you guys listening right now so thank you very very much that is honestly like genuinely so great because I think once we started this, uh, we weren't really sure where it was going. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And we kind of just plugged away. We kind of just carried on doing it regardless of everything. And I think we've had so many obstacles that we'll get into when we do our two-year special in a few months' time. Mm. But uh, one of the obstacles as well, obviously, was COVID. And I think we adapted. I think we had a week of, ah, and then we adapted quite quickly. And we literally haven't seen each other in over a year now. We've been doing this remotely for a year. That's mad. I don't even know what you look like anymore. I've changed completely. You know? Do you know I've shaved my head now? I think you you had a shaved head when I last saw you, and then you grew it and oh. then you shaved it again. Well, since then it grew back into luscious locks, and then I shaved it again, so I'm bald that's again now. That's how long it's been. You've grown your hair yeah. and shaved it again. It got to the point though, because there was no barbers open to uh, get my hair cut. I just got fed up with it, so it's gone. And I quite like it to be fair, so it's staying gone. Go for it, yeah. I mean, it looks good when you're in hats now, like having shaved sides. It always looks good. And I always wear hats. I'm yeah, always in a hat. We need to get hat merch. That's what we need to do. A uh, lot of hat merch. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who has listened to the show, uh, everyone who has donated to the show. Uh, we've had a few people message us recently asking if there is a way to donate to the show. Um, 
just on a, a, a quick aside on that note, uh, we always mention it if you make it that far into the end because my ending of episodes I know is atrocious. I'm off script and you can damn well tell. Uh, <laughs> at, at, the, at the end of every episode, uh, I just, as an aside, mention that we do have a Kofi page where you can, if you wish, uh, donate to the show. Uh, it's not a subscription. Uh, if you feel like we deserve just even a pound of your own money, um, there's a way to do that there. So, um, yeah, just because you know, we've had... one day... I'm going to completely shock you and I'll just do the ending. <laughs> yeah. And that'll be the first time it's ever happened and no one will know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll think, uh, is this the end? Because James doesn't do the end. <laughs> no, he usually just goes quiet and at the end goes, ta But then I assume, there's, I assume that not many people know who actually does the end because I think as soon as we go, and that's that person, they just stop listening. Um, that's fair. I mean, I completely understand it because I would 100% do the same. You're here for the content. Yeah, I, I'm here for the content. So in, instead, well, I, do you know what? Because you're not listening, guys, I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes telling you about how <laughs> you can support the show. <laughs> uh, no, no. If, if you do want to support the show, you can head over to our Kofi page. There is a link to it on our social media. We've got a link tree. Just click on that. Uh, it's like the first link on there so yeah if you wish to there it is and that is all i'm going to sound it for now so let's crack on shall we <clears throat> where were we so uh last week we covered oswald mosley during the great war and at the beginning of his political career as he jumped from conservative to labor party before quitting when his economic plans weren't taken seriously enough they then went on to form his new party imaginatively called the new party so, I have railed on him pretty hard in the last episode and will likely continue to do so in this episode, but I'm looking at him with 2021 eyes. Back in the 1930s, Oswald was hugely popular to the electorate. Remember, he was this young, dynamic, passionate speaker, and when he left the Labour Party, fuck me, it caused waves in the political sphere. Public opinion was that Mosley should be running the Labour Party, not old Ramsay MacDonald with his outdated methods. In fact, believe it or not, Oswald was tipped to be a future Prime Minister. And it was looking like squeaky bum time for Ramsay MacDonald. His Labour government was only a minority government and Oswald, with his new party, was a threat because it could potentially take away votes from him. We've seen this in the modern day political world, James. You see, like, um, Labour is considered to be, like, the left side party. If you get another left-leaning party just ram right into the middle of it, have similar-ish policies, but have a more dynamic leader, you're going to split the vote, and that is dangerous to a big party, particularly, like, Labour, for example, right? For sure. We saw it in um, with conservatives and ukip as well was it ukip backed out of conservative yeah. constituencies yeah exactly because then the conservative party of course are then threatened uh, by them even just being there because people go do you know what that's another option and i'm gonna go for it which is again i, I spoke to you this about uh, i spoke to you about this uh, not too long ago i'm completely against partisan politics i want to scrap parties i have an idea i have a theory i'm a bit oswald mosley about it it's a bit left-wing but yeah, anyway, I'm not going into it because this is not the time for it. This is going to be potentially another long episode, so I'm not doing it. So, this fear that votes could be split was intensified when the Labour MP for Ashton Underline died very, very suddenly. And because he's died, a new MP needs to be elected, so a by-election was called. And the new party's presence did exactly what the Labour thought would. It split the vote, which allowed the Conservatives to actually take the seat... Now, Oswald's new party was beginning to gain support, and you can see why. Now, there are two modern-day equivalents. Now, James, last week you mentioned uh, the Brexit Party and uh, Change UK, or the Independent Party. So, we're now going to talk about it. Nigel Farage with the Brexit Party, which was, if anything, a political statement more than anything at all, which was there to capitalise on the emotions of the people right brexit's happening mm -hmm. he's a big proponent of brexit he ditched his old party of ukip which he created formed the brexit party completely out of fucking nowhere and was like right for all of you was it was it 52 percent of the people that voted for brexit this party is for you specifically this is what it is 
and they kind of try to capitalise on the moment. I remember I actually saw a Brexit party bus come through Southend in Essex and I saw Nigel Farage on it and I was very tempted to throw a donut at his face, but there was too many Brexiteers <laughs> hanging around, so I couldn't. But yeah, their job was to capitalise on the moment. Um, and unfortunately, they really didn't. They didn't do that well. And they're now called Reform UK because Brexit is done. So what is the point in them? And they're trying to stay alive because obviously, remember, famously... If you want to join Brexit Party, you had to pay £25 up front. That's ridiculous. Oh, yes. And you still have to if you want to join Reform UK. You have to pay £25. And, of course, £25 is just going to go really to Nigel Farage. You, and you, what are you paying for? Do, do you get nudes? Is it an OnlyFans? What? <laughs> it's, a, it's an OnlyFans for Nigel Farage. Fuck me. That'd be Nigel brilliant. Farage and probably Anne Widdicombe's in there somewhere. Oh, of course, yeah, I forgot Adam Whittaker's in there. Ironically, then got uh, elected as a member of the European Parliament before Brexit happened. Mm, she's a funny uh, little yeah, one, no. isn't she? Can you imagine the only fans for Nigel Farage just sitting there with a pint and a fag in his mouth? Just butt naked. <laughs> butt naked, yeah, with some stockings on. That'd be fun. Uh, anyway, the second example <laughs> was the, the Independent Party, which you referenced to last week, uh, which was headed by the one-time starlet in the political sphere, Chuka Amuna. Do you remember him? I've, I, Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, bald bloke. He was part of Labour. Quite outspoken. He was relatively popular. I would argue in some ways, but not completely, obviously. A bit of an Oswald Mosley of his time. Uh, people saw him as like an up-and-coming new political guy, potentially a prime minister in waiting. Uh, but no, Chuka Amuna uh, wanted to protest Brexit. Uh, him and the Independent Party were calling for a second referendum on Brexit, which uh, is a tough, touchy subject. But they too changed their name to Change UK um, when a general election came to try and make themselves a bit more because they were just like, oh, we're just a bunch of independent MPs now joining up as a group and they just didn't really know what they were doing. They lost all of their seats in Parliament and uh, most of them jumped ship, including Chuka, who not only left his party, Labour, to do this, he then left Change UK and has now joined the Liberal Democrat, a party that is practically extinct today. So, yeah, well done, Chuka. Your career is going well, brilliantly. Yeah. That was a shocking career choice. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, ironically, uh, uh, I'm more of a Liberal Democrat than I am a Labour man. However, I'm very aware that the Liberal Democrat practically doesn't exist so i have to kind of go over the nearest thing which is labor we did that um test you sent me that test the other day which i did for the like political leanings and i looked at it and thought fucking hell i'm an extremist <laughs> you are yeah, more so than i am yeah like, i was just so far i was like but i'm not I, if you ask me quick i'm very easygoing like i don't berate people for their views ever like yeah i, I, I was very the, confused um... by it because the I think maybe I click strongly agree too much. Maybe I strongly agree with too many things. Yeah, I I I didn't press strongly agree for many answers. Right, I think I overuse strongly agree. Mm. So, the one thing that we see with both of these parties, for example, is that they're generally a fad, and like both, are now all but extinct. And what they really are is just a creation of the time. It's it's something different from the norm, right? It, it's a desperate attempt that must capitalise on its momentum or it will die very quickly, okay? And Trump is probably the best example of that, in, of that actually working, okay? So people were fed up in America of the status quo and wanted to just fuck up the system, and they did. They got a, a, a sort of a, a jokey president to come in someone who embarrassed the political climate of America and now you have Biden's come in and really he has the onus of improving things or he has to risk another Trump happening. Do you know what I'm saying? If he just carries on the whole like what presidents would do before, the kind of thing that made people upset in the first place, you're going to get another Trump. It's almost like a, a teacher lesson. You know, This is how this is what we do. We'll, we, we will elect a fucking idiot in there if you don't fucking buck up your ideas. Yeah, and I just I look at Biden and I think you weren't you weren't it, were you? You you're just not you weren't the answer. 
No, I don't think he is. I think he's just he. I I called it. I called it by saying that what he will do is bring back the status quo. He will do everything in his power to just normalise everything. Everyone was like, "Oh, it's a Democrat. It's a Democrat in power. Blah blah blah. He's a left-leaning person. Blah blah blah." Yeah, that that's that's cool. But realistically, what he what his job is is to just stabilise what's gone on. He will do yeah. absolutely nothing if he gets a second term. You might see something. That's if he survives to a second term, to be fair. But, mm, um, yeah. yeah, I don't see nothing happening. Almost like Keir Starmer now. Keir Starmer, he's nothing. He's nothing. He no, will not do flannel. anything. He is a flannel. Well, good one. Now, really, what these parties do is uh, they can give you a sense of the public's feelings. Okay, what people begin... Uh, when people begin to support Donald Trump over what should be a safe candidate it shows that something has gone wrong, all right? And it can inspire change politically. And Oswald's new party would go the same way. You see, the country was in a pickle, as I mentioned last episode. They're in the midst of the Great Depression, and people were getting properly desperate. They didn't want stuffy old politicians spouting the usual rhetoric. They wanted a fresh, new face who said they would do something about it, not really caring how they would do it, but just that they would fix it. Now, to you, James, does this sound at all like pre-Nazi Germany, right? A country that is desperate for answers and there is one man coming in promising them the world. Yeah, it's just opportunism. I don't yeah. know if that's a word, but I, I've, I'm coining it. No, totally, and it should. And Oswald would be looking over at mainland Europe for his inspiration, mainly at Mussolini's fascist Italy. So... Oswald would hold speeches where he would passionately throw his arms about proclaiming to get Britain back to its best and he would hire local thugs to act as security and they're not afraid to get into a scrap. I think the leader of one of them was like a, a famous boxer at the time and people were starting to notice that Mosley's new party was beginning to harbour a few fascist tendencies and he saw how the likes of Mussolini seized power through strength and was doing what he believed needed to be done for the country. And this was this was like the entire thing behind Mosley's ideologies. Well, of course, when he was uh, 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 in his job in the government was to like try and fix uh, the economic trouble in the UK, he was like, OK, well, I want a bit of a command economy, if you remember at all from last week, saying I want a command economy where the state dictates what we sell and what we make and what we buy. And everyone was like, that sounds a bit communist to me. I don't like that. That's a bit, uh, don't <laughs> like it. And what he was doing was looking over at Italy, just seeing Mussolini just being like, nah, fuck it, I'm doing this. And he was like, that's what we should be doing. So yeah, he's got a bit of a hard-on for Mussolini at the moment. Now, Oswald's new attitudes kind of repulsed some of the new party's initial supporters. And many of them left, because quite a lot of them were from the Labour Party when he quit. Leading up to the 1931 election which the new party ran in, and it was an abysmal one for the party. They didn't win a single seat, all right? They ran across 24 constituencies, and across all of them only got 0.2% of the vote, which means I don't think they even got, like, 100 votes or something like that. It's, it's abysmal, considering across 24 different constituencies. That's terrible. If anyone doesn't understand politics, I'm really, really sorry, because I like politics, and this kind of something like, gets me excited. <laughs> so, fully stressed out, Mosley decided he needs a holiday, right? He headed to Europe, where he spent time in fascist Italy. And Oswald, he had flirted with fascism, but seeing it in action, come on, man, that was like finally understanding clutch control in your car. It just made sense to him, all right? And there, there, were, there was this powerful man leading a nation, calling the shots. He wasn't concerned with the liberal lefties arguing back, putting stumbling blocks in the way of Italy doing what it needs to do. If anyone had something to say about it, they were met with violence and the movement just carried on. It was a country that was looking inwards. Fascism does that. It only cares for itself and those within its borders. It lives for the betterment of the state, no matter how heinous the consequences are. And Oswald wanted to emulate that. On October the 1st in 1932, he took the new party along with other smaller right-wing groups and created the British Union of Fascists. Have you ever heard of that, James? Because I hadn't before I learned about this, dude. 
No, but was it shortened to buff? It was shortened to buff or the B-U-F. Now, good. Oswald's good. initial fanboy love of Mr. Mussolini himself got him started in the world of fascism, but it was Hitler that really stole the heart of Oswald Mosley. He began to model his party on that of the Nazi party. He hired men to create his own paramilitary-style group and uniformed them in black tunics, similar to look in his fencing jackets. Remember last week we spoke about Oswald Mosley was like a fucking seriously good fencer, like at Olympic level mm-hmm. fencer. And we were like, yeah, that's cool, but only like five people do fencing. He was like, you're all going to wear fencing <laughs> jackets and it's going to make me look cool. And it's just, you know, you never really got to do fencing. In case of living it always them. ready for a fencing tournament oh he's always ready it's like that kid it's like the, um, the kid who always wears uh, like astro boots or whatever so he's just always ready to play football <laughs> yeah. at a minute's notice yeah he always wears a football top as well yeah just ready want a game yep right now yeah so like I, could, I could play right now and it's like oh, I've got I haven't got the right <laughs> shoes and he's like well you clearly don't like it enough do you but yeah <laughs> rather narcissistic of him to put everyone in a fencing jacket the sport that he absolutely loves and don't get me wrong they look relatively cool it sounds really dodgy but like obviously we know over in nazi germany i think it was the ss uniform or was it sa uniform one or the other was designed by hugo boss so you know ss sa was the brown one it was wasn't it like say what you like but why do which is why when i say to people that the nazis looked good they're always like but then i'm like "Mm, but hugo boss i'm not saying they were good i'm saying their uniforms looked fine however then in russia when it hit the winter months they looked good but they couldn't survive because it was not built (laughs) to survive a russian winter so hugo boss let them down there (laughs) it's like like also while we're on the fucking topic why are skull and crossbones at what point did they go hmm this makes us look good oh please, please it's just literally like it's the Michelin Weblook sketch. Yes, I was going to say, please Are we reference the that sketch. <laughs> it's like, yeah, surely someone at some point would have looked at that and gone, hold on a minute, we're the baddies. <laughs> that is one of my favourite sketches of Michelin Web. Nothing else beats it, I don't think. It's so funny. It's just a, a Nazi just having that moment of realisation that, oh... <laughs> we're on the wrong side here are we the baddies we've got skulls skulls <laughs> on our badges <laughs> it's just it's brilliant it's some of the best thing i've ever seen so yeah um oswald was like yeah i'm looking over at nazi germany they've got some fucking sick uniforms bad guys always have cool uniforms so um i'm gonna put you all in fencing jackets as well because you know i'm gonna dress you up i can't really afford it that much i don't really care but I- i'm gonna put you in these black tunics and you guys will be nicknamed the black shirts which is stupid name but anyway (laughs) he would hold rallies in theaters doing his best hitler impressions i'm telling you not he would be sig heiling his way through his speeches like actually throwing his hand up doing the hitler salute like the flat hand armor up he was doing exactly the same thing now don't get me wrong right uh uh, (laughs) hitler in like the 30s was you know a bit of a naughty boy but he was not like the all-out war Hitler, like the like that monster Hitler. He was just like a despotic knobhead. Like mm. you know, um, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay the shit that he did in in his own country. Like don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not downplaying that. That's fucking bad. I'm just saying, like you know, there are bad leaders around today that do like some really bad shit in their borders, but no one really gives a fuck. Are you China? Uh, and until they actually go out and kill millions of people, you're gonna go, oh, he was a knob. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly, he was. Anyway. So yeah, he- I mean, China do that anyway, and no one fucking bats an eyelid. But hey, oh, so and you know what? I know they're not going to come after me because they're not allowed fucking internet to speak to the outside world. So no, but I have a Huawei phone. Remember, they, they ain't ever going to hear it. Uh, I ha- oh shit! Oh, you're, yeah. you're fucked. Oh, I am fucked, and you're exactly where I am. Anyway, Oswald is doing his best Hitler impressions. He's—I'm not joking—he's sick heiling himself and getting everyone to do it himself with him. And uh, they were relatively popular too. I will point out. This is the bit that shocked me. I had no fucking clue that this was a thing in Britain because when we look back on history, and I'm telling you that I was not taught this at school about uh, Oswald Mosley and the fact that there was quite a little proportion of Britain that was kind of cool about fascism at one point. But I thought we were all just like, you know, we'll fight them on the beaches or we hate fascism and we were kind of on the good side. But of course we were, but there's always a small pro- like population of people that are just a bit weird. And these are that small population, right? The BUF their members would have at least 50,000 members at their strongest 
which when you think about it, this is in 1930s, James. There is no social media back then to spread the word. And they've got 50,000 people. For reference, the Brexit party that we refer to, that is now called Reform UK, I checked it up. In 2019, so not that long ago, they've got just over 100,000 supporters. And that's with social media. People wanted fascism. People kind of wanted fascism. Like there was, there was clearly an appetite for it, right? So it sh- it kind of shows that, you know, although notably on the more extreme right of the political sphere, fascism was a totally viable option to some Brits, which is kind of shocking to me when I found that out. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. To be fair, I think being extremely far right is still an option for a lot of. British people, like how many members of the EDL have? Probably quite a few. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just uh, it's. I I don't want to go into. I don't want to. I mean, I would love to bash people's political views, but no. I, I think I think someone like Oswald Mosley would still get traction now. He does. Nigel Farage probably is the closest thing to a fascist that we have. But yeah, I would say so. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go with that. I refer to EDL. He's not a fascist just before someone fucking goes for me. He's not, but he's probably the closest No, he's thing. not. To be fair, I did have to spend quite a bit of time trying to look up what exactly is a fascist. And I know Trump gets labelled as one as such, but um, he is not. He is not a fascist um, as much as we like. No, Trump is just a knobhead. Yeah, he has... I think it's the best word. He has fascist tendencies. And there are some... And I looked this up. There, there, I watched a TED talk on how actually there are some fascist tendencies that are quite admirable. Uh, in terms of you know, your economic plan and how you look after the country and whatnot and stuff like that. Uh, and I think Trump just harboured a few tendencies enough that someone would call him one. But anyway. Yeah. So for Oswald, he was about to meet a woman who would nurture his passion for fascism, that is a hard thing to say, and introduce him to his man crush, Adolf Hitler. Oswald was about to meet Diana Mitford in 1932 at a garden party and they were they immediately hit it off now i don't want to be a typical bloke about this james but diana mitford uh, in her younger days was a striking looking woman like she was quite a good looking lady right and oswald being the adulterous husband he is couldn't help himself and the two began an affair i should point out too that uh, Diana is not innocent in all of this. She, in fact, was married to a rather well-known name at the time, a man named Brian Walter Guinness. Can you uh, remember at all, well, what kind of family he came from? Who, sorry? Mr. Brian Walter Guinness. Guess what he does? It sounds very well-to-do. He does. Can you guess what he does for a living? Probably some sort of banker or something. Oh, no, you've missed it. The missed Oh, he's a career politician? No, the, the clue was in the name, Guinness. Oh, is he a fucking beer uh, brewer? He is a member of the famous brewing family of Guinness. Yeah, he is. I, that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, she was married to him. Um, uh, uh, quite young. They were like 21 or something when they got married. Uh, but, you know... He really wasn't for her. Um, So credit where credit's due. She actually left her husband and left him for Oswald, who then put her up in a house where she would live alone with a skeleton crew of staff to do everything for her because at the end of the day, aristocrats have got an aristocrat. But Oswald, he didn't really have the same sort of, you know, oh, I'm going to leave my wife for you, Diana, because he didn't. He made the ultimate dick move and was like, I'm going to have my cake and eat it and he did uh but you know diana wouldn't have to wait long oswald's first wife uh simmy who uh there's a picture of her on our social media if you're interested in what she looks like she unfortunately died a year later in 1933 making him a free agent to pursue his new squeeze but no he couldn't marry yet you see oswald james he was too devastated by the death of his beloved wife. In fact, James, he was so devastated that he started sleeping with her sister. <laughs> oh, for fuck! There's a lot of that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I remember I mentioned that last week that he he slept with his his wife's sister, and he slept with the stepmother as well. And you're like, oh god. 
Let's it. just just stop sleeping around in people's families. Oh, mate, it's just aristocrats, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's what they do. Uh, so yeah, he was so weird. People. Yeah, he was so devastated by the death of his wife that he just had to sleep with her sister to maybe try and get a bit close to her. Um, but whilst he was doing that, he was still sleeping with Diana, who was living in his house on her own, waiting for him to sort of, you know, make the move. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason, Diana actually left the UK and she went to Germany in 1934 to hang out with her sister. Now, I'm just going to speculate here and say that really what she did was try and get away from Oswald. Uh, maybe she thought absence will make the heart go stronger. If I if I leave, um, he'll be more into me or whatnot. Um, but yeah, while she was there... She was introduced to Hitler through a friend because, you know, we've all got friends. That's just someone you meet at a fucking party, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Casually. Who's, oh, I'd like to introduce this man. This man's Mr. Adolf Hitler. He's the Chancellor of Germany, blah, blah, blah. Oh, hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds, you know? And, uh, yeah, they kind of hit it off as well. In fact, she was a guest at his first Nuremberg rally and was even chauffeured in a limo to the Berlin Olympic Games in 1936. Meanwhile... Oswald was trying to establish his British Union of Fascists in the UK. Seeing the escalation of violence and prejudice caused by fascism over on the continental of Europe, continental of Europe, that doesn't make sense, on the continent of Europe, anti-fascist groups in the UK were calling out Oswald's BUF. But despite this, he developed a following, particularly in the east end of London. Now, in April of 1934, Mosley held several meetings at the Royal Albert Hall, with 10,000 people coming to listen to him, and all without any hiccups or violence. That's quite a sizable audience as well. 10,000 people come to listen mm, to your sure. fascist chat. Um, and, you know, it, it was even partially funded and supported by a man called Lord Rothermere. Uh, Lord Rothermere is the owner of the Daily Mail, you may be surprised to know. The Daily Mail... It's just, it's, it's, for fuck's sake, it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, they still sniff a bit of right wing, don't they? Um, They're fucking... Oh, if you buy that shit, just have a word with yourself. Have a word. <laughs> but uh, that changed in June, when the BUF moved their meetings to the Olympia Exhibition Centre in West Kensington. It's a bigger venue than the Albert Hall, and 12,000 people showed up. 2,000 black shirts were there as a show of force and outside, 2,000 anti-fascists were surrounding the place. Now, there is contention over who started the violence with both sides claiming that they were simply retaliating but either way, fights broke out and black shirts were violently throwing out anti-fascists entering the building and it became a huge brawl, one that would leave a dirty mark on Oswald's party and it was now known to have violent tendencies and a whiff of anti-semitism and support would somewhat fall even the daily mail would actually withdraw its support of the buf because of this kind of stuff uh, there's there's a bit of like a i don't know if this is true although some say that lord rothermere admitted it but it was something to do with uh jewish uh, backed um advertising or something to do with the paper and i think it was like listen if you're going to back this wanker we're not going to support you or not and, and he was like well i kind of i kind of need this so see you later and maybe back down on his morals i'm not sure how true that is it's just what i read but anyway the influx of nazi sympathizers into the buf meant the party was becoming more and more anti-semitic and oswald never really shied away from his opinion on jewish people he claimed that some not all were deliberately trying to bring on the Second World War, that it was in part Jewish responsibility for economic instability. Shit like that. And by 1935, the BUF's 50,000 strong members would dwindle to around 8,000. But on October the 4th in 1936, this date would go down in history as the day that Britain said no to homegrown fascism. Oswald's BUF had a sizeable following in the East End of London. Coincidentally, it also had a sizeable Jewish population. Now, for centuries, the Jewish population have had difficulties, particularly in London. Since 1290, when Edward I banned every single Jewish person from England, to the later 1800s, when they were being accused of being Jack the Ripper. 
And here in 1930s, a political group is using the Jewish community as a scapegoat, using them as an easy target to wave a stick at. So the BUF had marched several times through the East End of London, making their feelings known. But the Jewish and anti-fascist communities had had enough. Another march was scheduled for the October 4th. A petition to the Home Office to have it stopped was rejected. Instead, a police escort was ordered to try and minimise any potential outbursts. It would be a bit of a disaster. Locals of the area used homemade barriers to blockade Cable Street in East London which was a main road the BUF would go down. But 3,000 BUF members with their black shirts, led by Mosley, came straight through, breaking it apart, and now they had weapons. Fights broke out between the 20,000 protesters and the BUF. They were massively outnumbered. There was 3,000 of them and 20,000 protesters, and this fight was just like, we're going to take them all. And the police could only try to stop the mass brawl. In all... Around 150 people were arrested and around 175 people were injured and the event became known as the Battle of Cable Street. Now, I... Can't say I've ever heard of it, I'm afraid. No, neither had I until uh, I had done the research on this. Um, in fact, there is a big mural in Cable Street that depicts this and it was like done fairly soon after. Um, that was them saying, nah, fuck your fascism shit, I'm not having it around here, I'm not having it. Um, I have difficulty with this episode, to be honest with you, in expressing how crazy this all looked. Um, of course, as we always do, I will post some pictures on our social media for you all to look at, because really, the similarities between Nazi Germany are actually staggering. The BUF flag, for example, was uh, a red background. Uh, in fact, James, whilst I'm describing this, uh, grab your phone and just quickly um, have a search for the BUF flag. Uh, as I'm describing it, you'll see it. Um, it's, it has a red background with a white circle in the middle. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, inside that circle was a blue circle and a white lightning bolt, clearly in reference to Hitler and his SS. Now, his black... What worries me is the second uh, one down, you can buy it. Oh, really? You can buy it? £5.50. £5.50. I wonder where the money goes to. Uh, the warstore.co.uk. You get three in a pack. Yeah, three. Wow, bargain. Love. I can, I can put them in all my rooms. That is shocking. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, they had black uniform, which was evidently styled after Hitler's SS. Uh, they had big flag-waving banners being held at the front of a parade of men marching up the street in their uniform. And really, it, it's scarily like Nazi Germany. Like, if you have a quick on, look on Google Images, you can see Oswald in his black uniform, everyone else in their black uniform. They're all standing around with a Hitler salute in. He's marching along with his big fucking pantaloon trousers and high boots. It's it's scary looking, really. Is And it's so... It just it makes you think how quick, how easily it could have been for uh, Britain to maybe have slid down that fascism pole and gone into that sort of way. But yeah, yeah, it sc- makes sense. Scarily like Nazi Germany. Oh, and speaking of Nazi Germany, Oswald would visit Germany two days later to see his lover. Diana Mitford, who was still living at large in Nazi Germany at the behest of Nazi higher-ups. Oswald was ready to commit to Diana and married her, and the venue was quite a notable one. They were married at the home of Germany's Minister of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Do you know whose home that was? Germany's... The light of... Who's... Germany... Germ- uh, Goebbels? It was. Spot on. Yeah, nice. Joseph Goebbels' home they got married in. A strange place. It must I'm have been sure a, it was a classy home. affair. Yeah, it must have been lovely. Must well have. catered. Well, and, and thanks to Diana's connections, their guest of honour was Oswald's man crush himself, Adolf Hitler. He actually got to meet Adolf Hitler. Bloody hell, he must have fucking come everywhere. Oh, honestly, I really want Oswald to have been following Hitler around at the reception, trying to talk more about his political party and just watching Hitler try and walk away <laughs> from him. <laughs> It's like, you've got to see the costumes. I designed them myself. And he's like, okay, yeah, great. We've got Hugo Boss to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Look at our flag. The flag is so cool. He's like, okay, yep, yep, yep. All right. 
<laughs> someone get this knob away from me. I really want that to have happened. Um, but Hitler actually sent them a framed picture of himself when they had their first, uh, their their first son born. I think his name is Max. Max Mosley. If anyone remembers the name Max Mosley, he was like a president of a uh, racing federation for quite a few years. He was a race driver, quite famous. Um, mm. But yeah, when I think when I think when he was born, Hitler sent him a framed picture of himself because you know, you know, fascism and whatnot, and being all Hitlery. Have a picture of me. Well done. Congratulations. But yeah, um, but yeah. So we don't really know what was said between Oswald and Hitler, if anything was said at all. But Oswald was convinced that Germany was just not a threat to Britain, and he believed that an alliance between the two nations would be more beneficial, hoping himself to become the de facto leader of this new fascist Britain. Which totally could have happened. There's a documentary about how, like, if if Nazi Germany had actually won the Battle of Britain, Operation Sea Lion had gone ahead and they'd actually invaded Britain, what would it have looked like? It was quite scary looking. If Hitler invaded England, yeah, um, yeah, it would have been awful. To be fair, it would have been um, every man from the fucking cells. What's it called? Total war. Like everyone would have just picked up guns. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because supposedly, and this is apparently fact, Hitler wasn't overly keen on fighting Britain during the Second World War, and it would have been more of like a, a last minute, a fine, if I have to, I will. But as far as I'm aware, he wasn't keen on invading Britain. He wanted Britain to stay out of it. He was kind of, um, he admired the British Empire and kind of wanted to have his own German one to rival it in some way. But yeah, and when we were like, nah, sorry, mate, we like Poland. He was like, oh, fine, fuck it. All right, go on in. And then had it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Uh, Czechoslovakia as well. We, we just let them have Czechoslovakia yeah. when we stepped in. Yeah, we, we didn't really care about Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I mean, we literally said they could have it. We gave them the green light. <laughs> we did, we did. We literally said, oh, fine, we'll look the other way for a second. Then we waved a, a piece of paper out of an airplane and went, they're invading the rest of it. Ah, shit. <laughs> but anyway, with wild fantasies in his head and the approval from fascism's answer to God, Oswald headed back home with his new wife to face the consequences of the Battle of Cable Street. Now, uh, as I said just a second ago, the locals of uh, the area of East London that the Battle of Cable Street happened in, uh, they wrote to the Home Office and said, look, we don't want this guy parading around the streets anymore. He's been doing it for a couple of times and we're not happy with it. But the, the Home Office was like, nah, it's fine. And just gave him a police escort in case anything happened. I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on whether you think that was the right call or not. Because I'm assuming they have their right of freedom to express themselves and say what they like and and you know have a march as a as a as a protest they have the right to do that um but should they have been stopped even though they're kind of a bit fascism and whatnot everyone has a right to a voice i guess yeah like when we see the edl lot like running around london having a march i mean they make themselves look it's, like it's difficult isn't it because I, it, there's a there's a blurry line between free speech and uh, hate speech. Yeah. So you you can't you can't go around being an absolute prick, and most people would deem fascists absolute pricks. So. I don't, but then also they have a right to their political. I don't, it's such a touchy subject. It is, isn't it? Because you know, by all means, they have a right to say what they want to say, regardless of how supposedly how negative or bad it may be but so long as they're not inciting violence upon people and you know risking the harm of others i suppose there's nothing to stop them and in, and as far as maybe the I don't, I don't know i'm just i'm maybe speaking for them but as maybe the home office was thinking well look they have every right to have an opinion and say what they like uh and technically they haven't done anything yet because they've not gone on this march so we can't stop them from doing something they might or might not do so we can only put a police force there in case it does and then inevitably it does um well because of this the government passed the public order act of 1936 which prohibited political uniforms which must have sucked for oswald he's like oh my fancy fencing uniforms are gone <laughs> 
oh i just wish i could see his face when he was like oh we can't dress up anymore and that was the best part of it all (laughs) um so yeah political uniforms were banned and the gathering of mass groups without permission with uh from a a relative authority was also banned Uh, and they could see the goings-on in nazi germany right and fascist italy the 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 government and they they knew how powerful symbols and more importantly really a uniform could be that could that shit can rally people like if you come from fuck knows nothing and someone gives you a uniform and makes you feel part of something damn man you'll you'll stick to that like shit you really will uh and that's what they could see like particularly like they had a bit of a strong following in the east end of london relatively like working class poorer people you give them a uniform give them a purpose they'll follow you um and it wouldn't but it wouldn't stop them i will point out just because he's not got uniform, it ain't going to stop him. He held his biggest rally at the Earl's Court Exhibition Centre in 1939, uh, where this was this was weeks, mere weeks before the Second World War, and to an audience of 30,000 people. Like, that's fucking insane. His biggest rally before then had 12,000. He's got 30,000 people coming just to listen to him talk. Um... Again, James, if I could get you to quickly have a quick Google. I'll, again, I will post this on social media to get everyone a sense of like how scary this looks. It looks like something from uh, an Orson Welles book, uh, like something you'd see in 1984. Type in, James, uh, Earl's Court Exhibition Centre in 1939. Specifically look for Oswald Mosley. And what you will see is a massive auditorium just full of people and there's buf flags everywhere spotlights coming from the top it looks like a set from a movie it's scary looking and you've just got like this oswald figure uh, at the front have you found it oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. i see it, i see it, right? I see it. it it looks like a nazi parade doesn't it that's what i'm saying it, it's it was so uh eerily like nazi germany like where he he's almost modeling his entire political uh, party and career and the way he looks after Hitler and what he's doing over in Germany. He just wanted to emulate the entire thing. He genuinely believed that uh, if if Britain and uh, Germany became like busy mates, that he would become the leader of this fascist country by like just being such a brown nose to Hitler. And um, I mean, of all the people to fucking emulate, he's probably not the one. <laughs> no, he's definitely not the one to emulate. No. Uh, but their support, the BUF support, uh, it, it grew a little bit because obviously we, it dropped from 50,000 people at its best to around 8,000 people. And at this point, there's 30,000 people just turning up just to kind of, uh, I'm not a member, but I'll, I'll go along and have a look and see what he's got to say. Because uh, they were advocating for peace between the nations. It, remember, it's 1939. Uh, this is a mere weeks before the Second World War broke out. There are tensions going around. And some people are debating whether we should even go to war. If we remember on our Winston Churchill series, um, Churchill was like, hey, listen, I don't give a shit. Like, bad stuff's happening here. We should probably go fight and, like, deal with it. And there were some people in his party that were like, nah, I think we should have peace. And he was like, no, you need to get out. (laughs) Um, Now, for the BUF, as I say, some of the support grew because they actually supported, and we've mentioned him a couple of times before, the former king edward the eighth who abdicated in 1936 but allegedly supported hitler and didn't want war between the two nations we spoke about him before briefly but maybe we'll do an episode on him he's not that interesting to be honest with you sorry my brain has just gone fried <laughs> remember edward the eighth so he's he's the uh, elder brother of our queen's dad oh he, he he was he was pally with hitler a little bit yeah, exactly. He's got pictures of him with Hitler in like some time in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah. it's all been dug up again recently. Yeah, exactly. It came out on the Crown relatively recently, and everyone was like, "Oh, what? Sorry, what? The royal family likes the Nazis?" And it was like, "Yep, yep, uh, yep." At one point, our king was kind of pally pally with Mister Hitler. Hmm. But yeah, he was like advocating for no war between the two nations, which was a bit, you know bit sus and uh the buf were saying there listen listen we we back the old king we back him and some people quite liked it now 
This rally at Earl's Court Exhibition Centre in 1939 never looked, as we've mentioned, more like a Nazi rally. Oswald spoke for several hours, mostly without a script, uh, denouncing any idea of war with Germany. He was calling for an alliance. He wanted Britain to sue for peace and stay out of any upcoming conflict. But just seven weeks later, Britain would declare war on Germany and the Second World War was in full swing. Oswald continued preaching peace with Germany even after the outbreak of the war. But when Nazi Germany invaded France and began to bomb the shit out of London and the rest of the UK, Oswald's continued calling for peace was met with anger from the public. People's support for him plummeted and he began to be viewed as a traitor. Now, in the same month, Oswald, along with his wife, Diana, was detained and held at Holloway Prison without trial. Um, this was like a thing that was quite, well, not popular, but like quite a lot of people got done for this. This is a thing called Defence Regulation 18B, and it was a thing that um, Churchill with his cabinet brought in, and it was where like anyone who was kind of anti-war that they deemed to be dangerous enough that it could affect the war effort, um, they would be arrested and put in prison without any trial. Mm. And some people are like, that's totally unfair. Like, people having a right yeah. to an opinion. And at the same time, they were like, nah, too dangerous. And arguably, it's quite bad. Like, for instance, the Americans did it during the Second World War when they interned a load of Japanese-Americans just because they're Japanese. Mm. It's fucking awful. Like, you can't just detain yeah, these people. Mm. Some people were like, "It's gone." Yeah, yeah, it's just some people get so into war, if you know what I mean. They'll, oh yeah, they're, they're hum- they'll lose their humanity. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, this was literally within a few weeks. To be fair, to be fair, <laughs> um, the government had been observing Oswald since like 1934, uh, and they were like. Let's just keep an eye on him because we're not overly keen on this dude and the, what he's spouting. And then by the time the war came, they were like, ah, do you know what? He's actually met Hitler. He has met quite a lot of Nazi high command. He does have a bit more sway than like the average tiddly fuck from the East End who's saying we shouldn't be going to war with them. So, you know, I can kind of see why they picked him up. And he is a dangerous bloke in that sense. In fact, he was mm. considered at one point the most dangerous man in Britain because of this, which is, you know, yeah, listen, if you want a name, that's a cool name to have. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. He, they saw him as a danger to the public. He, he's a gifted speaker. Uh, in fact, the newly made Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, he was so concerned that he could whip up German sympathy uh, and undermine the war effort. Uh, uh, fun fact as well. Winston Churchill is a distant cousin to Oswald Mosley's wife, Diana, which means he's kind of now, by law, distant cousin to Winston Churchill as well, as well as a, a queen. Oh, they're all fucking... If I don't finish that sentence. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, 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 the family tree is vast and um, they're all connected <laughs> somewhere. So yeah, they would, they would be held for three years without a trial before serving house arrest for the rest of the war. Now, the conclusion of the Second World War and the horrific atrocities that occurred by the Nazi party that came to light after completely killed off fascism as a legitimate political platform and would, in turn, kill off Oswald's political career for the rest of his life. He did attempt to revive it, calling for a national party of Europe, which is essentially um, the entirety of Europe ruled by one party is a bit weird it, 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 in, a, in a weird way it kind of is now it's almost like he foreshadowed the european union as it is today mm. um, but yeah his idea of that died in its infancy in fact he would leave the uk mm. and he would live in ireland for a time before finally settling down in france and he was actually a neighbor of former king of britain edward the eighth so you know i bet they were quite pally pally like oh you remember hitler i remember hitler yeah it turned out a bit bad didn't he yeah we don't really talk about that bit but you know we had a good time. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he tried to stay somewhat relevant in the political sphere. He ran in the 1959 election. He campaigned on Commonwealth members coming to the UK to help rebuild the country, uh, and not in a good way. He wanted to see people that had come from the Caribbean go back to their, quote, place of origin, despite many of them now having been born in the UK. So, yeah, that's uh, a little sense of what he's like. <laughs> Probably hadn't met many people of colour before then. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, he was like, oh, no, but they're, they're not actually from here. Uh, and it's like, I mean, but they're born here. He's like, well, no, but they're really not from here. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, dear. There's another guy. Ah, oh, Christ, I wish I could fucking remember his name. Um, Macmillan. I think it might have been Harold Macmillan. I don't know. Don't. Oh, my God, I need to. Mm. Before, I, before I say what I'm about to say, I cannot misquote this dude as saying, like, it was him. Um, was it him? It definitely was not him. I'm looking at a picture of him, and it definitely wasn't him. Either way, I watched. I was watching. I was watching a video of Oswald Mosley in his 70s talking, doing an interview, and then uh, a video that came afterwards was another uh, political man around the same time. It was literally a year later, and this guy was uh, complaining about basically people from the Caribbean, uh, which is part of the Commonwealth at that time, part of the British Empire, which was obviously dwindling but still part of it. Uh, saying that these people should like go back to their countries of origin and this dude was like yeah but some of them are born here and he's like yeah 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 but if if uh two english people live in china and they have a son the son is still an englishman it's like yeah no but if he's born in china and he lives in china he can identify as chinese he's like no but he's an englishman it's like that's not how it works (laughs) I'm born in said country but that's just a separate dude and he was also a piece of shit but um, Oswald Mm. had a similar sort of outlook on it he was like listen thanks for coming now fuck off and I will refer to the Windrush scandal that's uh, of the the last couple of years Conservative Party thought we forgot about that Mm. anyway Oswald, right, uh, from this point on, right, I know it's been very, very heavy, guys. Please, if, you, if you're still here, stick with it, right? I'm sorry about this. I know it's been very heavy. What I wanted to do is really sort of cover these war years because that's sort of when he's at his most dangerous. From here on, it's kind of like sparse. I'm just kind of covering the rest of his life, all right? So bear with me, all right? So Oswald Mosley would go on to run in one last election in 1966, aged 70. But again his past still hung over him. He did a few interviews later on in life where he was asked about his support of Hitler and if he regretted it at all. And, like his wife, would never openly say that he regretted their friendship that he had with Hitler, but that the man he knew was not the man he turned out to be. He was always like, oh, listen, uh, whatever he might have did later on, blah, blah, blah. That's not the man I knew. It's like, yeah, but he's still a piece of shit, man. And you kind of knew what was happening in Nazi Germany at the time with, you know, the oppression of many people politically, uh, religiously, you know, just for their gender and all that kind of shit. But uh, you're like, no, mm. it's not the man I knew. Oh, and also, just add a few little bit more, you know, bit more spice. He was also sceptical about the true extent of the Holocaust. Being like, Hey, listen, I'm sure it happened, but like, I'm sure it wasn't as bad as everyone thinks it was. Like, the numbers are probably not as big as they were. Because he was there. <laughs> now, oh, Oswald... Oh, fucking Holocaust skeptics oh, are weird people. Yeah, they are weird. I don't understand it. Like, why would you lie about it? <laughs> what do I gain from lying about it? Anyway, Oswald Mosley, 6th Baronet, died on December 3rd, 1980, aged 84. He was once the most dangerous man in Britain and the closest it has ever got to being a fascist state. Today, we remember him from programmes like Peaky Blinders, and for the most part, he's just a footnote in history that isn't really remembered by many people at all. He could have been one of the political greats, remembered in history as a Prime Minister. Instead, when we do remind ourselves that he existed, all we see is a twat. Now, it is important to talk about these people, When we've had terrorist attacks in the UK, people don't like it when the perpetrator is mentioned by name or if their picture is plastered over the front pages of the newspapers 
they seem to think that it would incite copycats and many might think that talking about these people like you know for instance Oswald Mosley would inspire fascism to rise again but I disagree sure there is pomp and everyone likes a uniform but the best way to talk about these people is to just mock them to undermine and satirize them Oswald Mosley wasn't cool he was a man who had potential but had a strop that went too far he's a bellend um that's just my opinion on the matter james i don't know if you share similarly (laughs) in that oh no he's a massive bellend yeah he's a massive bellend and i just think it's so important to talk about these kind of people um uh, for instance i used tommy robinson as an example the other week when i was telling everyone that we were going to talk about oswald mosley uh and when i got him mixed up with tony robinson i'm eternally sorry for that um Tommy Robinson is is a perfect example, right? He's not a journalist. He's a racist bellend disguising himself as one, only concerned with the country's well-being, right? That's what he says he's doing. It's bullshit. Call these people out for what they are and don't be afraid to talk about them. The one thing they don't want you doing is taking the piss out of them. But ironically, the easiest thing that we can do is take the piss out of them. So just do it. Like, that's what these episodes are about. When we talk about nasty people on this show, and we have done, we've spoke about quite a lot of nasty people. Listen, right? The topics are horrible. We've talked about some truly horrific stuff happening to some people that really don't deserve it, of course. But what we don't want to do, which was kind of the, really the whole point of the show, James, wasn't it? It's like, we want to talk about these people. These people do horrible shit. But what we have to do as, like, you know, uh, information givers... It's just, you know, make light of that. Take the piss out of them, not the victim. Take the piss out of the person. You know, what they're doing half the time is absolute stupid nonsense. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, I'm off script now. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's really important that we do talk about, you know, people like Oswald Mosley, a fascist knobhead. It's a, it's a moment in history. Uh, and it, I think it's just, it's, it's good to take the piss out of someone like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you've got to, you've got to laugh at them. You can't give them any credibility. No, no. And um, that 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 wraps up Oswald Mosley. We've 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 covered it. We've done it. Two parts, and we've managed to cover Oswald Mosley. How was it, James? Did do we think Amazing. we've learned something about how Britain has some fascist uh, tendencies? Fascist tendencies? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I ever didn't know it, but it's confirmed. Yeah, confirmed. <laughs> Uh, yeah right well uh, brilliant thank you very much for listening guys uh, thank you for now tipping us over 10,000 listens because obviously you're now being part of that we're now over 10,000 listens so every time you listen to us guys you're doing your fucking bit and you're helping the show you're helping us grow that rhymed oh god I'm happy um, anyway thank you very much for listening everyone I really hope you enjoyed this series I hope you take on board kind of like that final little monologue um satirize these people take the piss out of them if you see it don't be scared to call it out for what it is you just got no that's bullshit mate that is absolute bullshit you're a twat look at you in your funny hat i'll get him honestly james i think i ought to be a poet because i keep rhyming unconsciously and you don't know it and i don't know it damn it right thank you very much for listening everyone i'll try a third time i hope you enjoyed the episode uh join us next week uh i no idea what we're talking about next week does james have any idea what we're talking about next week uh, he does actually. Oh, fucking shock to everyone! <laughs> I know, fucking shock. So, uh, last time I did the double parter of the uh, child cannibal and the creepy twins. Yeah, yeah. So, nice time, nice person, and the story of that's what people do comes from, or the name comes from Thor in what film is it? Is, uh, Thor is it Ragnarok? Ragnarok? where he goes that's what heroes do and Thor is part of the Marvel Universe so I thought we'd take a look at Stanley oh that's sick (laughs) yes love that I'm I'm currently let's do that I'm currently going through the Marvel Universe we've got we've recently got Disney Plus we've uh, succumbed to Disney's whims Uh, Walt will be happy in his grave wherever he is Uh, and I'm currently going through all the Marvel movies and I've just finished watching uh, Spider-Man homecoming and i've now got to go on to i don't know what's next in the line i think it's dr strange 
I like that one. I do like Doctor Strange. Yeah, I've watched it once and I was very confused. So I'm looking forward to watching it again and hopefully understanding it a bit more. But yeah, oh, fantastic. Well, look forward to that, guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about Stan Lee, the man who created Spider-Man and is the godfather of Marvel. Uh, yeah, um, make sure you follow us on all the socials if you do not already. They're really easy to find. Just type in at that's WPD on any of the platforms you wish to find us on. There's only three of them. Uh, if you want to support the show uh, somewhat financially, you can do so on Ko-fi, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Just find the link on our bio on all of our platforms, and you can donate one-time donations there. And, uh, yeah, if you're listening to us on any platform that does uh, offer reviews, uh, please drop us a five-star review. Uh, maybe say hello, and that would be much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Join us next week, and we will see you there. Bye-bye. Ta-ra. Thank you.